Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? What it do? Clint Russell, Liberty Lockdown, back in the building. Thank you for tuning in. As always, make sure you hit that like button right now. Just do it. Just do it right now. Uh, I am once again giving you a truncated episode of the show because I am off early tomorrow to Colorado. I'll be speaking at Liberty on the Rocks tomorrow night. So that's Wednesday night on ESG. Uh, so I guess tonight, because you're probably listening to this because I'm recording late at night um, tomorrow. So this is confusing. Anyways, Wednesday, tomorrow, the 29th, I will be speaking at Liberty on the Rocks on ESG. And then I will be at the LP Colorado event. Uh, I think I'm the keynote. I don't know. Talking about whatever I want to talk about. It's going to be interesting. Make sure you guys show up. It's going to be fun. And then after that, I will be doing Tampa for a Students for Liberty event on April 15th. And then the following weekend, I will be in, I think it is Tennessee, Nashville, or maybe it's Austin. I don't know. One or the other. And then I'm doing Tennessee or Austin the following weekend. So I'm going to be all over the place. And then a few weeks after that, I'll be in Oakland, California for the Take Human Action Tour. If you guys want any tickets to that, go to TakeHumanActionTour.com and you can pick them up. Without further ado, let's get into the show. I want to talk a little bit about the Restrict Act. That's the uh, the TikTok ban that's what they're calling it. That's what they're running on. Uh, it is not about TikTok, okay? Um, I'm sure most of you have already looked into it because you're very astute folks. Uh, but long story short, just to give you a, a taste of what it is, it's the Patriot Act for the internet, okay? That's what it is. They're going to use the fear of the CCP to try and convince the American people that they are looking out for their best interests uh, when in reality, it's a, it's a double-edged uh, purpose for them and not for us on either end of the sword. They are trying desperately, in my estimation, to get ByteDance or the parent company of TikTok to sell TikTok to an American company. So what do they, what do they get out of that? Well, they get an algorithm that has not been able to be duplicated by any other tech giant in America so far. So I think that that is kind of the prize when it comes to the donor class, the corporate American interests that want TikTok to be defeated or acquired. And this is their leverage to get it done. And I think they might do it, which is crazy. Um, I want you to think for a second about how embarrassing and absurd it is that the titans of tech industry in America, the land of the free, can't outcompete a communist nation by their own description, CCP. How? Well, the problem is that we are no longer a capitalist free market nation. And we are focused on DEI as opposed to innovation. <laughs> it's uh, it, it really speaks to how degraded our capacity to innovate and compete is on a global scale. So I think that should be the first note to make is like, why can't you just outcompete these guys? Well, you can't because we are no longer focused on the things that made us great, made us once great. And I think that's a obviously a huge underlying problem. Uh, also, what they're really trying to do is make it so they have all of the tools at their disposal to pursue political dissidents for anything that's done on the internet. 
with a, a threat of up to a million dollars and 20 years in prison if you run afoul of these this total Pandora's box that includes everything you can imagine. Every every website, every app, every communication, even even you know physical devices that are accessed through the internet like a ring camera. Uh, the list is truly limitless. They are it is the most like open-ended piece of legis legislation I've ever read. So the answer should be no <laughs> on both fronts. Uh, I think that obviously they're trying to do the bidding of their political donors uh, in Silicon Valley. And on the flip side, they're trying to do the bidding of the spying apparatus, the deep state, if you will, uh, CIA, FBI. And, uh, and that's what this is about. And it has nothing to do with China controlling your kids' minds, okay? They can already do that with all of the other social media apps. Uh, TikTok, by my estimation, is in fact crafted. The reason that the algorithm succeeds and the reason that that, that app itself is so popular is that it gives you what you want as opposed to creating conflict where it's constantly showing you things like Twitter does where you see you know, your political opponent's ideas, uh, you have a, a <clears throat> an incentive to reply and you know create arguments and conflict. Uh, this is it's a much more enjoyable experience and and also very, very addictive. I think obviously the video format and then the the fact that they were able to get the uh, copyright deals so that they can use all these music like uh, you know proprietary music types plugins into your videos it's a it's a very impressive app i i had i had it briefly when it first came out and i deleted it like right after i realized uh, one how addictive it, it was and two how broad the terms of service were when it came to spying on us uh, so this is not a defense of tiktok in the sense that like i think you should be downloading it and you should be using it uh, i think you probably shouldn't but that's not really the point right as is usually the case when the, when it comes to prohibition, the government banning things, uh, their purposes are not necessarily in alignment with our best interests, and this is no different. The Restrict Act is the Patriot Act of the Internet 2023. Say no. That's all I got to say about it. Well, we got another story. Uh, it's called DNA, the Declaration of North America, and it was released by the Biden administration just a couple weeks ago. And I will go ahead and read a little bit to you. January 10th, 2023, it came out. No one even talked about this. It says, today, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, President Joseph R. Biden, and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau met in Mexico City for the 10th North American Leadership Summit. The leaders are determined to fortify our region's security, prosperity, sustainability, ding, 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 and inclusiveness, ding, 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 through commitments across six pillars, diversity, equity, inclusion, climate change, and the environment competitiveness, migration, and development, health, and regional security. North America shares a unique history and culture that emphasizes innovation, equitable development, and mutually beneficial trade to create inclusive economic, inclusive economic opportunities for the benefit of our people. We are not just neighbors and partners. Our people share bonds of family and friendship and value above all else, freedom, justice, human rights, equality, equality, and democracy. Democracy. This is North American DNA. <clears throat> I'm just going to read you one additional segment from it because it's the one that concerns me most. 
and that is the diversity, equity, and inclusion area. It says DEI is foundational to the strength, vibrancy, and resilience of our countries. We focus on providing marginalized communities opportunities for their full, equal, and meaningful participation in our democracies and economies. To advance these objectives, President Lopez Obrador, President Biden, and Prime Minister Trudeau reiterated their joint commitment to protect civil rights, promote racial justice, expand protections for LGBTQI+, and individuals, or excuse me, plus individuals, and deliver more equitable outcomes to all equitable, equitable. In partnership with Indigenous peoples, we will promote innovative and sustainable solutions that honor traditional knowledge, foster Indigenous-led growth, and drive job creation. Blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. But obviously, the reason I bring it up is that DEI is the root. It is really the metric by which ESG functions. So you have to have a DEI department in order for ESG to you know look at you fondly. And this is how not just corporate America, but also academia and uh, the highest levels of finance, as well as our governments, have been rotted to the core. So anytime you now see uh, any sort of declaration from the White House, for God's sakes, this, this type of language is included in every single thing they point out. And I want you to understand that it is not an accident, okay? The Obama administration in 2014 actually uh, I think it was called the launch program where this, the DEI thing was propagated into government. And simultaneously in the backdrop, you had the world economic forum that was having their annual meetings at Davos where DEI and ESG were being propagated into not just corporate America, but the global corporate world. And now it's basically a full court press on every level of civilization. And for those that aren't privy to why I'm so concerned about it, uh, essentially DEI is a Marxist tool, but instead of being based off of class, which is the, the more historical uh, methodology for Marxist uh, worldview, they now use, uh, I mean, it says right there, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what that really means is identitarianism, which is collectivism, which is dividing us based off of immutable characteristics, as well as our sex or our sexual preference or whatever. It's, uh, it's very divisive. And I am going to continue to fight it everywhere I see it. And I wanted you guys to be aware that your president, the president of the United States, Every single thing that they put out seems to have language that includes equity, which, by the way, is un-American. On top of that, an obsession with focusing on skin color or gender or sexual desire. It, is, it has no place in government. None of these things do. In fact, they used to be explicitly prohibited. And now it's everywhere. And I don't feel like people are taking seriously enough how, how quantum this shift is, how significant it is that this is everything and everywhere all around you. From your child's education when it comes to social emotional learning, which is SEL, that is also propagating the same concepts of identitarianism. 
and the same exact parameters that uh, DEI functions. They are, they are propagandizing from cradle to grave, essentially. And the only people that are really even privy to the shift are those that weren't indoctrinated into it, which means you basically have to be older than 30 to have even known a world where this wasn't everywhere. And the next generation really, I mean, this is what's so sick about it is that they're, they're playing off of their better nature. They're trying to frame it as, well, you know, gay people and you love them, right? Well, then it's just proper that we engage with society in this fashion. The truth is that it's not a progressive worldview. It's extraordinarily regressive. All of this stuff could have been written by the KKK, for God's sakes. It's divisive based off of immutable characteristics, just as a Nazi or white supremacist might desire. So what's the natural response to that? Get the fuck out of here. Not interested. I'm not going to go back to a time where I judge people based off of these things. I will judge you based off of your merit. Another thing which is being waylaid and sidelined. Merit. God forbid. Now we have pilots that are being hired based off of their race. What? What are we talking about? And it's not just pilots. It's everywhere. Every Fortune 500 company it has a, uh, maybe not a majority ownership, but a plurality ownership where they, they constitute the biggest shareholders between the three biggest money managers, State Street, Vanguard, BlackRock, and they all function based off of ESG. ESG ultimately functions off of whether or not you have a good enough DEI department. And the DEI department decides on hiring and firing practices, hiring primarily based off of how fucking woke you are. And how woke you are is directly correlated to how racist you are. Can I make it more clear? I hope this clears it up. It's very, very concerning. And the kids don't have any clue. So it's our job as their elders, even though they won't want to hear from us because they'll be like, oh, he's not even on TikTok. Fuck this old guy. Look, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. This is not progressive. And this is not going to help your trans friend. Speaking of trans friends. I wanted to make a couple notes just briefly about the uh, the shooting that happened at the school in Tennessee on, I think it was on Monday. I think maybe it was Sunday. I don't know. Regardless, um, heartbreaking. There are six people that were murdered by what appears to be a, a woman who had transitioned to be a man um, and was rejected by their family, their Christian family, and was a former student at these, this Christian school. And um, first off, the cops acted heroically, completely contrary to how the Evaldi cops reacted. I mean, <laughs> all the cops, 100 plus of them stand outside for over an hour while kids bleed out. These five Tennessee cops just go in like gangbusters. I mean, they're blasting through doors, like clearing rooms as fast as you can imagine. Then they get to the, they hear gunfire from upstairs. They stop clearing rooms and just run straight towards the gunfire. Exactly 
what I had hoped to have seen in Uvalde and did not. These guys are absolute heroes. And I know it's not popular amongst libertarians to ever applaud a cop. Look, at the end of the day, they did a heroic thing, regardless of how you feel about police more broadly. It was awesome. It was awesome. And uh, if police, if policing were privatized, those would be the guys that I would want to hire and pay very well for their services. Very impressive. Uh, anyways, the the broader comment or commentary I wanted to make about it is that what I'm seeing is, look, this is a really heartbreaking thing. There, there has been a successful propaganda campaign to essentially convince not just the trans community, but their allies, as they categorize themselves, that there is a war on trans people. Now, if you look at murder statistics for trans people, there isn't one. Just there isn't. There is no war on trans people. There is no trans genocide either. There is a tragic but not surprising uh, murder rate when it comes to trans prostitutes in particular. I would imagine it's oftentimes, well, one, because being a street prostitute uh, is a dangerous profession. So you're chances of being murdered are probably elevated already. But on top of that, I would imagine many of these murders occur when their John realizes that they also have a John. Um, if you know what I'm saying. So not in any way excusing it. It's absolutely horrible. But the, the, the real death rates from the trans community comes from their own hand. It's suicide more often than not. And that's also heartbreaking. And I have a lot of mixed feelings about this because I know some trans people that seem to be very happy with having transitioned and God bless them. So set them aside. I'm not talking about anybody that has made this decision as an adult, keyword there, as an adult, and, and feels like this is what they wanted for their lives. As far as I'm concerned, you have that right and I have no, I have no problems with it at all. I hope, I hope that it was the right decision and I hope that you find, uh, you know, peace and contentment and happiness. What is really bad about this though, is that this trans movement, the more radical version of it is propagandizing children into thinking that there's something wrong with themselves. And as you know, if you're old enough that if you've ever been a child, <laughs> we all go through periods of confusion. And sometimes there's periods of confusion about sexual orientation, for instance. I mean, I wasn't really straight, or excuse me, <laughs> I wasn't really convinced I was straight until I was like in middle school, because I didn't really know. I was like, I didn't have a lot of testosterone. I hadn't gone through puberty. Uh, I mean, I, I thought I was because I was attracted, you know, more attracted to women than I was to men, but I wasn't like... Uh, I don't, you don't have really sexual desires when you're 10, you know? So when people would, uh, when I was growing up, like it was very common, everyone called each other gay. So, uh, you know, you're, you're always like asking yourself, am I gay? And I'm like, I don't think I'm gay. I don't, I don't have a crush on any of the guys and I have some crushes on girls. So I think I'm probably straight, but like until you go through puberty, you don't really know. So the, the reason I bring all this up awkwardly is that I think that there's a, a, it's really disturbing 
when you try and broach any sort of subject about sexual orientation or gender orientation to someone who hasn't gone through puberty even, like, how can they possibly know? I mean, sincere question. How? How can they know? And I think the answer is they don't. So when you start to you know, broach these subjects to very young kids, and let's not kid ourselves, this is happening to many young kids. You've seen all of the libs of TikTok video that shows all those elementary school teachers that have pride flags up and they're, they're doing the whole pronoun hoedown uh, where they inform kids that they can be whatever they want and have whatever pronouns you want. Hey, if you want to change your name, if you want to wear different clothes, that's fine. Look, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with a parent politely and without any sort of direction informing their kids that there are trans people in the world and you don't need to hate them and you shouldn't. I think that's totally fine. I think there's something very wrong with a teacher who has a political agenda and a worldview that comes from years, if not decades, of indoctrination into this cult that is telling kids who haven't even gone through puberty that they ought to consider whether or not they're a boy or a girl. I don't think that you need to consider that. I feel like that's something that you would naturally uh, derive from your own life experiences. And if you come to the conclusion as you go through puberty, that you do not want to be whatever gender you are, then maybe 16, 17, certainly by 18, make whatever decision you want at that point. But anything before that, I really find it to be child abuse in nature. And you know, people say body mutilation and gender or, uh, genital mutilation. Like I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. I'm just saying I think that there is something deeply wrong about telling every kid because that's really their goal here is to propagate through DEI and SEL, social emotional learning, this concept to every child in America, because they believe that it'll make us more inclusive and more accepting of those that ultimately are of that persuasion. The truth is there's not a lot of people that are naturally of that persuasion. By most estimates prior to this kind of movement, it was less than 1% of the you know, United States and certainly the world. So you're talking about one in a hundred people. So that means in most classrooms, there's going to be zero. And in three classrooms, you might have one. That was the historical trend line. Now we're talking about, you know, 40% of kids in some areas classifying themselves as non-binary. And it's just not feasible that that many kids are in fact that. So when you see such a exponential growth curve, you have to start to question, why is this happening? And I think the clear answer is, it's the adults. The adults are pushing this narrative on them. Obviously on top of that, you also have media that's popularizing these concepts in kids shows, cartoons even. I mean, there's just a, a kind of a full court press with this entire worldview. And I think that these kids, needless to say, when you're already dealing with all of the anxiety and weirdness of going through childhood and then into puberty, into high school, you already have all of those challenges. But on top of that, now you have this whole new layer of confusion that's laid at your feet. 
And I think that it's damaging a lot of kids. And I'm not going to say for sure that the Tennessee uh, murderer was anything other than what they thought they were. By all means, maybe they were trans. Um, but I think that what you're going to see is a lot more, I mean, not just suicide, but violence from people that have gone down a path that that left them wanting and broken. And I think it's a danger to look the other direction and to ignore it and to to just plead tolerance and acceptance when in fact you're damaging children that don't need to be damaged because you're trying to put a curriculum out there that is broad-based for everyone. And not everyone is impacted by this. You don't need to have kids that are five and six and seven years old questioning whether or not they're a boy or a girl. You don't need all of them to do that. You don't. I'm sorry. I hope I've made it very clear that this is not with any animus towards trans people, because I do believe that some are genuinely that. But when you have 40% or 30% of children self-reporting that they're non-binary, something's fucking wrong. Something's wrong. And I think I know what it is. And I think we need to stop it. On the inverse of this, very concerned about the fact that you now have Christians who are saying there's a Christian genocide or a war on Christians. Look, I will grant you, there is a lot of hate towards Christians from this community in, in particular, but the left broadly, they're not a fan of you guys. Christians run afoul of their religion, which is the state. That's my read of it. And I'm not, I'm not forgiving or trying to downplay that even. But to start to go down this language of war and genocide is the same type of radicalization that's happening to the trans people. When the trans people are told that there's a trans genocide or a war on trans people, and then they start doing this whole silences violence and, you know, arm the trans people. And uh, what was there's there's this protest that's happening this weekend in D.C. I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's like something of violence, day of violence or something like that. Um, I can't remember what it is. Anyways, there's just a uh, like hyperbolic rhetoric, which I'm very concerned about. And you guys know I'm a free speech person, so I'm not I'm not telling people not to to talk. You know, feel free to say whatever you want, but I would just encourage you to be very uh, conscious of the type of language that you are using, as as the the divide is so vast and the the rhetoric is so hot. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to start to because because look at this from the perspective of the trans person who committed these murders. And I know it's not popular to do that. You're supposed to just hate them and that's all there is to it. Look, terrible person, murdered children. One of the most reprehensible things I can imagine. But at the same time, same thing with like the 9-11 attackers or any sort of terrorism. Anyone that straps a fucking vest to themselves and goes and commits a heinous act. I think it's always important that you look into why. And unfortunately, the Tennessee police are not releasing the, uh, the manifesto that the killer wrote. Because uh, then we could actually know what their motivations were. Um, but I think it's fair to assume 
that they were functioning off of the fact that there was a recent ban on treatment, medical treatment for kids when it came to transitioning in Tennessee. And the trans community advertises that as a war on trans people. Now, when you start to use language like that, if you believe that there's a war on you or a genocide against you, well, that, that enables you, it empowers you to feel as if you can take any action in response, right? Just as terrorists, when they feel hopeless, they start to do really dramatic things that can end a lot of lives. Uh, I feel like that's probably the mindset by which many people in that community are now functioning. And that's a dangerous place to be, kind of an insurgency mentality. And if you now have Christians that feel like they're under fire and you start to use language like Christian genocide or war on Christians, well, we've already seen some right-wing Christians do some wild shit in my lifetime. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see it again in the not too distant future, if people don't turn this thermostat down. And that's essentially what I wanted to talk about, or I wanted to implore of you guys, just turn this fucking temperature down. We don't need to be divided like this. And we certainly don't need to be hating one another and killing one another. The divide and conquer tactics are as old as time. And I personally am of the opinion that this divide, this division that's happened in just recent history, I mean, over the past decade, really, that it's gotten so bad, it is, it is orchestrated, it is concocted, and we don't need to be hating one another like this. We don't. I've met some trans people that are the most beautiful, kind people I've ever met, and I've met some Christians, lots of Christians, that are the most beautiful, kind, loving people I've ever met. You guys don't need to be each other's enemies. You can have a difference of opinion as to the mental health of a trans person and whether or not they should have transitioned and blah, 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 all of that. You can have total differences of opinion when it comes to all of that. But at the end of the day, you're not each other's enemies. You don't have power over one another. The people that have the power over you are the ones you might want to be concerned with. I'll end on that. When you pony up that dough for your rent every 30 days or that mortgage payment, you know, you, you know, you're getting what you paid for, right? 30 more days in that beautiful or not so beautiful property. But when it comes to healthcare, it can feel like the total opposite. Health insurance plans can be confusing and expensive. Then when you actually have to use your benefits, there are deductibles, claim processes, and other red tape to deal with. CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your healthcare and helps you pay for health expenses. CrowdHealth is doing things differently. CrowdHealth is simple, transparent, and affordable. As a member, you'll get a personal care advocate to help navigate the complexities of health events. Your personal care advocate will even negotiate bills on your behalf. They'll be with you every step of the way and could save you thousands in health bills in the process. You'll get access to a crowd of thousands of other members who are ready to help pay for large health expenses. 40 of your $175 monthly payment helps pay for your care advocate, telemedicine services, discounted prescriptions, and other tools to get you the best care at an affordable price. The remainder of the monthly payment goes into CrowdHealth account that you own so you can help others in the crowd pay for their medical expenses as well. Experience healthcare freedom with CrowdHealth. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code LOCKDOWN at checkout to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. 
Crowd Health is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. To better explain what I'm talking about when it comes to the radicalization of children, we have a college professor from Wayne State University in Michigan who was suspended with pay after publishing this Facebook post. So, so here is what I think about free speech on campus. Although I do not advocate violating federal and state criminal codes, I think it is far more admirable to kill a racist, homophobic, or transphobic speaker than it is to shout them down. What? Uh, he goes on, when white, basically he's saying, you don't want to take the sympathy away from uh, the victims of the hate speech. You want to, uh, you know, have them look like the bad guy. And when you shout them down, you don't. But he says, in short, every time protesters shut down a racist or transphobic speaker, they are indulging their own moral sense of validity at the expense of actually strengthening the very bigots against whom they are protesting. The exemplary historical figure in this regard is Sholem Schwarzbard, who assassinated the anti-Semitic butcher Simone Petlura. Rather than trying to shout him down, remember that Schwarzbard was acquitted by a jury which found his action justified. So you have college professors like that that are breaking children's minds, breaking them. And well, obviously, once you grow up to be an adult and you commit heinous acts, that's on you. Still, uh, this pattern from the collegiate and high school, middle school, elementary school, even to some extent, um, of propagandizing kids into this sort of worldview, what do you think is going to happen, folks? What do you think is going to happen? You're seeing it. And this is the early, early innings of this showdown. So that's why I'm imploring cooler heads and uh, kind of a rational observation as to what's occurring as opposed to a knee-jerk kind of violent response or even harsh rhetoric response. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't be uh, you know, voicing your opposition to what's happening to these to these children. Quite the contrary. I am not saying that at all. I'm just saying maybe don't take on the same language that they are when it comes to war on Christians because you have a one-off lunatic who commits a heinous, heinous crime against Christians at a Christian school, of which they attended, I might add, uh, prior, not current. So, I don't know. Take it with a grain of salt. We have Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who is talking about the WHO sign-off, which would essentially give away American autonomy when it came to, uh, or sovereignty, I should say, when it comes to uh, the next pandemic. Mr. President. Senator from Wisconsin. Mr. President, last December, the World Health Assembly established an intergovernmental negotiating body to draft a new convention on pandemic prevention and preparedness. At its fourth meeting last month, the negotiating body accepted a draft of this new convention that would give the World Health Organization broad new powers in managing future pandemics. If accepted, it would cement the World Health Organization at the center of a global system for managing future pandemics, and it would erode U.S. sovereignty. Uh, let me just uh, list a few of the examples of some of the provisions of this draft, uh, and I'll call it a treaty. Uh, currently, it would require a substantial new financial, U.S. financial commitment to an international body 
without proportional voting power. It would require the U.S. to give the World Health Organization 20% of vaccines and other pandemic-related products produced during future pandemics. It includes a heavy emphasis on the transfer of intellectual property rights to the World Health Organization. <laughs> it gives the World Health Organization a leading role in fighting misinformation and disinformation. And as the Twitter files reveal, uh, that leads to censorship and the suppression and abridging of freedom of speech. It also promotes a global One Health approach to healthcare, including harmonizing regulation under WHO guidance. The WHO has not earned this power, far from it. At a critical moment in late 2019 and early 2020, the WHO, the WHO utterly failed to detect the emerging COVID-19 uh, pandemic and delayed informing its member states. Instead, it was kowtowing to Beijing. Now, unfortunately, there are indications that the Biden administration is considering joining this new convention by, by executive agreement and avoiding the Senate. We should not let this happen. An agreement of such magnitude needs to be submitted to the Senate for advice and consent. This is not a partisan issue. This is about reclaiming the Senate's prerogatives on international agreements. So, Mr. President, I call up my amendment number 11 and ask that, ask that it be reported by number. And Democrats defeated that amendment. Uh, so I just wanted you guys to be aware that that's happening. Just yet another example of the Biden administration's attempts to essentially give up our sovereignty to foreign powers. And I don't know how they do this without there being just broad-based outrage, bipartisan outrage. Um, but it just, to me, it demonstrates that you have a, a very globalist mindset by many of the politicians, or at least their backers, their financial backers. And it's a trend that is not good. Uh, I will add to what Senator Johnson said there and blast the World Health Organization who ultimately put Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance, who was responsible for the gain-of-function research in Wuhan, they put him in charge of the investigation into the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Though WHO did that, okay? So, yeah, fuck them, man. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, they're obviously deeply corrupt. And it is laughable. I mean, it would be laughable if it wasn't so incredibly dangerous that you could actually have treaties that go above the bounds of our own constitution and our own political establishment even. Constitution being even more disturbing. So... No. And if you have any say-so when it comes to your local politicians, you know, for whatever state you live in, let them know. This is a non-starter. Non-starter. Thank you very much. One more quick bit of news. The Federal Reserve announces July launch for the FedNow service. And for those that aren't aware, they go on to say, um, with the FedNow service, the Federal Reserve is creating a leading-edge payment system that is resilient, adaptive, and accessible. The launch reflects an important milestone in the journey to help financial institutions serve customer needs for instant payments to better support nearly every aspect of our economy. So this instant payment thing, they, they're really not giving us any details in this thing. I read the whole, the whole write-up. Um, but any sort of new innovation that they're trying to get all banks on board with, 
you have to be at least considering whether or not this is at the early stage of CBDCs, or central bank digital currencies, because I don't know how you do it instantaneously otherwise. So I'm assuming it's electronic in nature. And if it's done on some sort of blockchain that is you know, proprietary and held by them exclusively, then that would be a centralized digital currency, which is a CBDC. So uh, be aware that this is now a real thing launching in July of this year. And they say in this write-up that they will be expanding it rapidly and innovating on it. So <laughs> uh, reject it. <laughs> if you have any say-so at all, absolutely reject it. And we always got to end on a kind of a, a light note, of course. So let's uh, let's check out good old Hill, Hill Dog. This is hilarious. Oh my God. What is it? It's Hillary Clinton. She's running. What? What? Hillary's running again? I know. I heard that's so crazy. This is wild. She's running again. Here I am. Hillary, you're running again. Well, I sure am, Karen. I just got here early for the new class we're teaching together on foreign policy decision making. Classes don't start <laughs> until September. Yeah, but I wanted to be prepared, Karen. You know, when it comes to crisis situations, you've always got to be prepared. Prepared? I think you're more prepared than anyone to teach this course. Now, what are we going to call it? Inside the Situation Room. Yes. And I'll cover the theory of political decision making and strategy. Mm -hmm. And I'll cover what it was actually like in the room during the bin Laden raid, the Iran sanctions, the Gaza ceasefire, you name it. Libya. Okay, but are you ready for whatever questions the students throw at you? <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, Karen, I've got to run. You heard the secretary. If you get inside the situation room, come prepared. Jesus Christ. What a fucking disaster. <laughs> they could have Hillary fucking Clinton as your foreign policy teacher? Oh shit. Maybe you could uh, maybe you could have uh some guest speakers like the slaves in Libya. Maybe you can have them come and talk about how good she was on her foreign policy decision making. Fuck. What a fat lesbian looking bitch she is, isn't she? God, I despise her. After I said all that loving shit early on, and now I'm being mean. <laughs> she's such a fucking monster. I can't believe that she's like still respected by anyone, anyone at all. You just have to be such a fucking idiot to look up to that monster, to have her teach kids about fucking foreign policy. Oh my God. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. Hey, if you don't laugh at the world, you lose your mind, right? Well, Hilly, thank you so much. I, I don't know what would have been more funny slash painful. Her running for president again and losing terribly again or hosting or teaching at some foreign policy institute. Oh my Lord, we're in so much trouble. <sighs> man that, that was fun that's a good way to end it <laughs> if you guys want to support my work go to libertylockdown.locals.com and uh, last but not least make sure you hit the like button subscribe 
and leave a comment down below. I, I really do. Le I do read the comments and I always try and respond if there's anything uh, that ends in a question mark, <laughs> if there's any genuine questions. And uh, that's about it. I will catch you guys in a week. I will be in Colorado from today until Monday. So you will not have an episode from me for five days. I apologize, but I will certainly get back. And I am going to be having on Julian Assange's father the following week. So that's going to be fascinating discussion. Do not miss it. Love you guys so much. We are out. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?